Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. She said that she read online that a weekend, one-on-one, just the couple with the marriage counselor was far better than going to something where there was a group of people. That's just one of the things that people think about marriage counseling as opposed to doing a three-day intensive in a different fashion. Well, is one-on-one always better? And what could you expect from a marriage counselor and what do they expect of you? We'll answer this question. That's actually, I guess I should say those questions, along with other questions that you send us during this live program as we talk about how does counseling work and any other questions that you have about your marriage. We're pursuing your master's degree in marriage and family therapy. Uh, you got about halfway through it before you changed Mm-hmm. and decided to go for a different major and got your master's degree in psychology rather than specifically in marriage and family therapy. Mm-hmm. May I ask succinctly, why? I hated it. <laughs> succinctly, that's as succinct as I can get. No, but if... Does that mean you don't like working with marriages? Is that what you mean? No, I loved working with marriages, mm-hmm. but what was so frustrating to me about being a... Because I was an intern. I had um, I was seeing clients. I had done a hundred something hours of counseling that I had under my belt as the therapist. And, and that was part of your getting your degree. Yes, that was, that was part of getting, that mm-hmm. was part of getting the degree. So I okay. had done, you know, 24 hours of the program, which is a 36 hour program. I mean, I was very close. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was so frustrating. Hey, by the way, let's just say, because not everybody has been to college. When you oh, say right. 24 hours, 36 <laughs> hours, we understand it yeah. was not just 24 hours. It means right. 24 credits toward 36 credits yes. required. And so, each of those was like a three hour class that lasted a semester. Right, exactly. So if someone says they're taking 12 hours in a semester, that means they're taking each week, their class load is 12 hours worth of class. Per week. Per week. For an entire semester. For a t- yeah, so right. exactly. So this is a three-year program. The marriage mm-hmm. and family therapy cro- program was a three-year program. Um, and so, and it's very intense with all of the counseling hours, all of the mm-hmm. training, all of the study you have to do and, and all of those types of things. And I loved the coursework. I loved learning about different things, but even as the more we started learning about things and the more I saw about what we were learning and how it was applied to the couples that we were working with, when I was in a session with someone, mm-hmm. there was a disconnect because... I wasn't seeing progress. And Mm -hmm. that is what frustrated me more than anything, that I would see couples week after week, month after month, and there was nothing. Now, what the counselors, my supervisors and other counselors out there would say was, well, this is a long journey. You know, Mm -hmm. you walk with them beside it. But I also had seen with, you know, having known about the Marriage Helper Workshop, seeing that for many, many years of my Mm -hmm. life, seeing the success of it, the two dichotomy, I mean, it was two dichotomies. There was, well, in three days, I've seen marriages saved. And in this many months of counseling with this many sessions, there's no movement. And if at all, it's... it's so you're saying that marriage back. counseling is not valuable, has no worthwhile aspects to it? You're putting me in a corner. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, obviously we're asking for your opinion, but you can't say that all counseling no. is ineffective. All counseling is not ineffective, but it depends. Not all counseling is ineffective. Yes. There's okay. a couple things it depends on. The issue, the couple, and the counselor. And those are three variables. And depending on what each of those are depends on how successful the counseling is. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some of the differences then. Now, we're not putting down marriage counseling. As a matter of fact, we have marriage counselors that refer people to our intensive three-day workshop. Mm-hmm. And, and we have said and say now and will repeatedly say that a great counselor, a therapist, is worth his or her weight in gold. So please don't think we're totally against all of that because the good ones are amazing. They're outstanding. But like with any other profession on the planet, you need to understand whatever the profession may be, there are some people that do it extremely well, some people that do it mediocre, and probably in any profession, that's the majority. And then there's some people who do it poorly. Now, you're not saying that you were doing poorly because I actually heard from people that you were working with during those um, intern hours where you're doing marriage therapy mm-hmm. that said that they really enjoyed working with you and that you were quite good at it. So, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me as the intern counselor at that time, what mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy about it was that it just took, first of all, it took a long time to make process and or progress. And there were things that because of the rules of counseling, the HIPAA, the ethics, all of those things that go into it, I couldn't do in counseling sessions that I believe if I were able to do those things, it would have made it go further faster. So you're saying there should be no ethics in counseling? No. Okay, well explain please. There was one couple I was working with in particular where he had had an affair with her sister. Hmm. And they were the ones that came to me every single week. And um, a couple of times during it, he relapsed into having sex with her sister. Really? Uh, Yes. But as the counselor, I can't say to him, you've done a bad thing because that's my belief. That's Uh my. And so if they're coming and they're saying, you know, we want to work on this. Here's what's happened. um, You know, it depends on what their goal is. If they're saying the marriage being saved is our main goal, then we can work towards that. But if he's saying, well, I just want to be happy then Mm -hmm. I can't say, well, what you're doing is wrong because it's making him happy. Okay. And so you're saying that that's what should happen. We should bring people into a workshop like ours, look them in the eye and say what you're doing is wrong. No, but we don't do that at our workshops and it works. Okay. But what you're saying is, is as a therapist or counselor, by the ethics laws of many states, you have to be very careful so that you don't do anything that actually affects the decisions the other people make in terms of could it possibly be that you're influencing them by your own beliefs and values? Right. You're not supposed to influence them by your own beliefs and values. And if you think about the way counseling is set up, Mm -hmm. you have a counselor in a closed room with one, two, most of the time, one or two other people. There are family counselors and they see the entire family. Mm -hmm. But even then, a lot of it is happening behind closed doors. And so it makes sense from an ethics point of view that you're saying we have to have a way to monitor and manage what's going on behind these closed doors. Okay. And so the way to do that is the counselors can't reveal their own beliefs and values. You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to. But they do. Right. You're not supposed to tell anything about yourself, your personal life, if clients want more. And I get that. I do too. And so I'm not saying I disagree with there being ethics. It's just that the way it's set up now 
seems to be doing more harm than good how, in many. How can that possibly do more harm than good? Of having, oh, of having ethics? No. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. The ethics that you're describing, at least. Because what ends up actually happening is you're behind closed doors and no one gets to hear. You don't have a committee listening into every single counseling session you have. And so you can, with that, by not saying something's wrong, by not saying that could affect your marriage, by not giving that information, you could be leading them. Okay, I mean, but you're confusing me here because in our workshop, we don't do that either. No, but our workshop So why are we complaining about counselors not doing it if we don't do it? The point I'm arguing is not about the ethics or the beliefs. The point I'm arguing is about the way as a whole that counseling is done. The belief part of it is just one tiny aspect. Well, you're making a big deal out of it. Yeah, because you started talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) What we're trying to say is this. We are not against marriage counseling whatsoever. And, And the good ones are outstanding. They're amazing. The point Kimberly's making here is, though, that if you walk into the counselor and you say, my goal is to leave my wife and go be with my lover, or to leave my husband and go be with my lover, then the counselor actually, that's what he or she winds up helping you with, right? Because that's your stated goal. That's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And then he or she facilitates that by helping you deal with whatever guilt you have about leaving your marriage, helping you uh, do the least amount of damage, I guess they would think, in leaving your marriage and or your children. And they're never going to confront you by saying, or do they? Can they confront you by saying, have you thought this through? Does this make a lot of sense to you? They can. And many good counselors. Yes, it all depends on the counselor. And that's the thing. So what we continually see is that the counselors either don't do that. They don't push things maybe when they should because it, it, they don't want to get a bad review. They don't want to get a bad rate. I mean, there's tons of reasons why, but what we end up seeing is more counselors actually end up helping the couple divorce than helping them stay together. Now we do hear that a lot. And as a matter of fact, if you have had, and and please hear me, I want to make sure you understand this. We are not anti-counselors. We're really not. We're anti-counselors that do more harm than good. And as I said, the good ones are worth their weight in gold, and we love working with them. Often they'll send couples to us when they want specific things to happen. We definitely send couples back to them saying, stay with your counselor or therapist. He or she is doing a great job. Don't leave that person. Uh, It's unethical for us to try to steal somebody's client, and we don't do that. But what we're talking about is when you think, okay, just because of the fact that we're going to go see a man or a woman that has a license, that means that he or she's going to help us save their marriage is not a valid belief system because often that's not what happens. Here's even a challenge I'll give you. Uh, If indeed you have tried that and you believe that he or she did more harm than good to your marriage, we would like to, if you will, it's totally up to you, sit down with your iPhone, your smartphone, whether you use Android or or Mac, whatever it is, and, and face that camera and tell us your story. Now be sure not to mention the therapist or counselor's name. We don't want anybody to get sued for anything. But if you've had a bad experience, tell us why. Tell us why it was a bad experience. Now, before we end the program, we'll tell you how you can send that to us. But understand, you say, what are you going to do with it? Well, we're actually going to put those things online. That's why you don't need to be telling who who he or she was. You say, why? Is this an anti-counselor campaign you're going on? No. It's an anti-bad marriage counselor campaign that we're going to go on to tell people these are things that you should be aware of. And these are things that instead of working to your advantage, 
may well work to your disadvantage. Now, what's the benefit or advantage then of being in a situation where that it's a, a group session as opposed to people telling us, well, what we really need is this one-on-one? Because if they go in one-on-one, what's the first thing that's going to happen? I mean, when I say one-on-one, I mean, here's husband, here's wife, there's the counselor. What typically is going to occur? Well, I'll tell you what typically occurs, but I'll also tell you when I first got married, my husband and I lived in Korea. We were forever away from anyone we knew. And I, we were having a lot of hard times. And so I said, we need to go see a counselor. And he said, no, I'm not going to do that because what's going to happen is you, you and her or you and he or whatever are going to gang up against me. And I don't want to spend an hour being yelled at. That is the mindset he had. But, and so he wouldn't even go into it. Mm-hmm. So that prohibits a lot of people too. But since counseling is such a societal reaction to we're having marriage problems. Well, we need to go to counseling. That's just kind of that next step you think of. Then couples will go, but the one who doesn't want to be there is going to shut down. I mean, they Mm -hmm. get very defensive and we learn about that in our, in our master's program that you're, you're probably going to have one person there who doesn't want to be there. You need to build rapport. Rapport is a huge thing about it, which is totally understandable. Right. But ultimately the one who wants out. Okay, but in our workshop, I'd say 80, maybe 90% of the couples that come to our intensive three days have one person that doesn't want to be there. Right, but the difference is when you're in a counseling session, it is you and your husband and the, I mean, there it's just those three people. And so that person who wants out or has done the bad thing or whatever feels attacked because it's like two against one. When you're at, when you're in a group environment, even a group therapy envi- environment or a workshop, it's not, people don't feel that the same way. It's not this defensive, I need to put my wall up. Because there's a whole room full of people. There's a whole room. We could be talking to any of those people, not necessarily pinpointing everything at the one person. Mm-hmm. And here's another difference. So once you get in there, what do people typically do? When they finally start talking, what do they talk about? Bash the other person. So let me tell you all the crappy stuff my Mm -hmm. husband did or all the crappy stuff my wife did. And they sometimes even take turns at that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So were you trained when you were getting your, when you were working toward your MFT degree, marriage and uh, family therapy degree, were you trained to stop the bashing? Well, there's different types of therapy. So there's narrative therapy, reality therapy, you know, EFT, there's a ton of different types and it really kind of depends on the type of therapy you want to use as a counselor as to whether or not you let that go on for a while, whether or not you stop it. Because in some modes of therapy, the thought is, well, you need to get everything out there. We need to go far back into the past, lay everything out on the table, and that way we'll be able to move forward. There's other types of therapy that don't want to talk about the past. These these are rare, but they want to move forward. And so it really depends on the mode of therapy the counselor is using. It's kind of interesting how that works, isn't it? Because if you do like, well, you referred it to reality therapy. Sometimes we call that glassers reality therapy. And that kind of therapy basically says, well, the past is the past. What are you going to do now? Mm-hmm. And what are you going to do in the future? But then there's more of a Freudian type approach that affects many different approaches of therapy, which is, okay, let's listen to you guys talk about all your pain, your agony, and your misery. Mm-hmm. Now, we have heard so many people say that when that happened, my spouse just basically verbally beats the crap out of me. And if you're offended by the fact that I said the word crap, be happy that's the word I use. And basically, my spouse beat the crap out of me verbally, and my, my counselor, our therapist, let him or her do that. 
because of whatever therapy approach he or she was using was like, well, good, get all those emotions out. But then the person telling us what it did to me mm-hmm. was it made me pull back. Like, I don't want to be part of this at all. Good grief. Why should I go back and hear again how bad I am? Yeah. We have some people who have been commenting. Do you want me to read what they... If it's applicable to that point, absolutely. Yeah. So one person says, well, our marriage counselor focused so much on our feelings that my husband and I were wrecked after every session. Hmm. I'll have to go through and read some of the other ones. But yeah, it's this its this thought of, it depends on the counselor. It depends on what they're doing, uh, the goal of the therapy, you know, to whether or not they will allow that to happen or not. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so far we focus on the fact that the counselors are often going to be very tentative about trying to help you save your marriage unless that's what you both say you want to do. Oh. For example, if I go in and say I want out, mm-hmm. then the therapy thing can change where it's like, okay, well, let me see if I can help you do that with the least amount of damage as opposed to, hmm, let's look at this again. Could there be valid good reasons for you to solve the marriage, save the marriage, and make it strong again? So they're kind of limited there mm-hmm. based on what you're saying mm-hmm. by ethics rules mm-hmm. that exist in many states. And then many marriage counselors actually let it be, tell us all the things that you don't like, all the things that you're unhappy about. And the other person is like, give me a break. Yeah. What other kind of negatives thing, negative so, things? Someone else said, we had a counselor that told my husband to write a letter or list on everything he could not stand about me. I felt this was a very bad, bad technique mm. and made my husband focus on all the bad and no good. Do you think this was fair? This was also the same counselor who told me that my husband was a narcissist and that he wouldn't change. Which is interesting that she would have him do that if she thought he was a narcissist, but anyway. Um, <laughs> That's pretty inconsistent, I yeah. would agree. This yeah. was all going on while he was having an affair and in limerence. We are trying to reconcile now after all of this, but I want to get a counselor to help me, but I'm very skeptical. I can see why. Yeah. Now, understand that, again, and I'm going to keep repeating this throughout the program, we are not anti-counselors. The good ones are amazing. They're awesome. Mm-hmm. But as I said a couple of minutes ago, and, and of course, this is my view, and you may well disagree, and if you do, you're very welcome to, that in any profession, there are some people who are outstanding, most of them are mediocre, and then there are some that are just outright bad. And pick just about any profession you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, medical doctors, that same yep. kind of thing exists. I used to be a consultant for a chain of psychiatric hospitals. Uh, years ago, I would fly from one hospital to the next to the next to work with the staff as a consultant. And some of those psychiatrists I thought were amazing. Some of those psychiatrists, as a matter of fact, the majority I thought were, mm-hmm, okay, so-so. And some of them I thought, oh, my goodness. Now, I'm not beating up psychiatrists, as a matter of fact. We actually have a psychiatrist we refer people to when we think it's appropriate. I'm trying to make a point about professions, and counselors are much the same way. Now, if you're dealing with a counselor because of your own individual trauma, for example, I'm trying to get over being molested as a kid, then then counselors who are good at that, working with you one-on-one to help you with that, tend to be amazing. I'm dealing with depression. I want a good counselor to help me deal with my depression. If he or she is a good counselor, focusing on you helping you to do that, they tend to be amazing. Where it tends to break down, based on the stories we hear, mm-hmm. it's when the two of you come together and say, we have a problem, we're trying to solve the problem, because the counselors who are so really dynamic and effective dealing one-on-one with helping you deal with your depression, your childhood abuse, etc., when it comes to the two of you, kind of get lost because it's like, well, I know how to help you deal with your own pain, but I don't know how to help you guys deal with this pain. That's why really good marriage therapists and counselors are so outstanding. 
But most aren't really trained that way, even if they have a marriage and family therapy degree. Yeah. We recently read a report done that was an in-house study. As a matter of fact, I'm going to leave unmentioned where it is. People can look it up if they wish. An in-house study of an organization of marriage and family therapists that said that we know it's not successful, at least they said half of the time. There are other stats. These people didn't give a stat. They just said at least half of the time it's not successful. Well, less than 50% successful, they said. But when we start querying other people, for example, you and I were talking to a head of a graduate program, and we asked what he thought, you know, how successful do you think marriage counselor is, counseling is. You remember the number that he gave us there? Less than 20%. Less than 20% is what he said. And then if you read people like Gottman, who is this amazing researcher who researches things about marriages and so forth, and you start looking at some of the work he has done or that others have done, you find that uh, it's far less than 50%. And here's the interesting thing. In that in-house study, which is published, you can find it, they went on to say, and we don't know why. We don't know why marriage counseling is so ineffective. All right, I'm going to repeat it again because I want to make sure people hear this. Great marriage counselors are awesome. I'm thinking in particular now of one in North Alabama that uh, we interact with and work with. She is amazing by, and because of the fact that she leads a staff of other counselors and therapists because of her influence and the fact that she knows how to get the right people in there. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing organization. We are all for those people. Those are wonderful people. We're not trying to put those people down. But we get so many more reports from all across America about these bad things. Now, Kimberly, in a few minutes, because, and, and I'm kind of throwing this at you as a surprise, so oh, you boy. might not have an answer. <laughs> Where can people, if they want to sit down and give us that video, they're going to take their smartphone and they're going to look into it and say, let me tell you my three to four minute story about what marriage counseling did for us. And again, do not name the counselor. It might even be better if you don't even name the city uh, or even the state if you want. But just tell us that and understand that if you send us that, we're actually going to use these things. We're going to put them together in some in some podcasts, video podcasts that we're going to make. They call those vlogs is what they call those now. I'm so far behind on technology. I think I'm further behind than you. <laughs> what we're going to do, so if any of you have seen the new Facebook commercial um, about t- protecting your data, that's kind of what we're going for here. So not even three to four minutes. We're looking for 15, 30, 45 seconds of just here was my experience with counseling. And just we're going to do short clips kind of back to back to back to back. Well, wouldn't it be okay if they do two to three minutes and then sure. we cut little pieces I mean, out they of that? Can, if but that's what you need to do to tell your story. Now, some do not mention anybody's name. We don't want to beat anybody up. That's not here. What we want to do is just kind of let people know these are some of the things that might be happening out there. And if you want a good marriage counselor then make sure that he or she doesn't do these kinds of things, and you can actually interview them in advance. So that's mm-hmm. what I'm throwing at you as a surprise. How do they get those to us? Because they're typically going to be too large to email to us. Oh, I don't know. Okay, before the program is <laughs> over, we'll get uh, Jesse, our engineer and, and uh, master of all things video, He'll have to, to write something up. down and hand it to us, and we'll read it to you about yeah. how you can get those to us. And if you don't want to, obviously don't. But what we're trying to say is that marriage counseling can be awesome, but based on the stories we hear every day, mm-hmm. so many times, at least in the United States of America, so many times, mm-hmm. it turns out not only to be ineffective, but actually has done more harm than good. 
So yeah. what kind of comments, what kind of questions well, are we getting here? I mean, we're, we're getting a ton more. One person says, do most counselors not know about limerence? The answer is no. Actually, I get invited all the time. Not all the time. That's an overstatement. Forgive me for the hyperbole, but I get invited uh, to come to different marriage counseling centers. In other words, these like 15 counselors working out of this organization or 20 or 25, whatever, and teach them about limerence. And it's interesting because they'll all have at least master's degrees and they've come out of this school, that school and the other. In other words, they all didn't get educated at the same place. And none of them will have heard of limerence. As a matter of fact, we've even had people (laughs) tell me there's no real proof that limerence exists. The ones who have heard of it had one guy in a previous organization that uh, actually said, mm, there's no real proof that these things exist. I don't know how they're missing all this research. <laughs> I mean, I read the research. Why are they reading the research that it really does exist, that it's a word that identifies some specific situations and that it has characteristics that, that you actually can see and understand what's happening and what you do from there. And yet, I've taught many counselors about it because they never heard of it. I mean, they don't even know what it is. Now, does that mean they're bad counselors? Not necessarily. But it does mean if they're going to help you with overcoming a problem in your marriage where infidelity is involved, if your spouse, or even you, has this strong emotional tie or connection to another person, there's some things about that that if you understand, it really helps. And so in answer to the question, I don't know how many counselors do or don't know about it, but we run into a lot that don't, that are very fascinated by it when they hear it and they want to learn. They want to be able to use it. So I'm not saying it's because they distrust it, although some do. Some Mm -hmm. do distrust it. The other is because of the fact that nobody ever brought it up to them, even though the concept has been around since the 1970s. And there's some fascinating research out there about it. Now, if you decide, okay, I'm going to look this limerence thing up, let me give you a warning. <laughs> if you type the word limerence in and start Googling it to see what's on the internet, most of the stuff that comes up is either going to be bad because it's somebody just guessing at a bunch of things, uh, or it's going to be tied back to the research that was done in the 70s, which is good, at least for the 70s. But since then, we found out so much more about it. And so even if you're going to Google limerence and try to make all uh, understand it and deal with it from that, like many other things on the internet, some of the information is going to be bad. Some of the information is going to be good, but dated. It's not up to date. And some of the information is going to be very, very good. But even at that, like say, for example, you go to one of our web pages and you start reading what we have said or written about limerence. Let me warn you right now, once you think you understand it and then you decide, I'm going to teach my spouse or I'm going to refer my spouse to what you've written or what you've said, so that'll straighten him or her out. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that because they're going to deny it. They're going to say you're absolutely wrong because they're in the midst of this strong emotional connection with another person, which means that they're going to be prejudiced against that information. And so even if you decide to find out, like coming to marriagehelper.com, that's marriagehelper.com, finding this stuff we give you on limerence, which we do our best to keep up to date with the latest research, it's up for you to learn. It's not for you to try to push down the throat of your spouse or educate your spouse or show your spouse why he or she is wrong. If you do that, in all likelihood, it's going to backfire on you. Mm-hmm. Some of the comments we have coming in, mm-hmm. someone says, 
Several different marriage and individual counselors have told him to leave and that he should do what he needs to be happy. Again, who do they see as the client, the marriage or the person? <sighs> still, and now to this day, he still argues with me that the professionals told him to do this. It hurt our marriage and now we're separated. How do you overcome the damage that's done? Someone else says, um, before we even got married, we saw a counselor and he or she told us to go ahead and write our list of deal breakers now before even getting married. And although it was great to establish boundaries, we started terrified instead of in love in our marriage. Hmm. Someone else says, a highly recommended Christian counselor I saw was very helpful with my personal pain. Good. However, she recommended that I move on and divorce my wife after my wife had bought a condo and was dating other men. She told me she's clearly done and has moved on and is not coming back. I thanked her for the help she gave me and I let her know I would continue to stand for my marriage. She had been in practice for many years, but never heard of limerence until I told her about it. Hmm. Someone else says, my wife told me that her therapist said, it sounds like I have anxiety issues and need to be medicated. I've never met the therapist. Ah. She told my wife to distance herself from me at first and the other man. And I think a good therapist would tell her what she is doing is wrong and that she should work on the marriage. I believe she is encouraging my wife to divorce, and I feel like there's nothing I can do at this point. Um, Someone else said, we had bad experiences with cheaper counselors, but my husband refuses to do to go back to counseling to with together because his counselor told him that he shouldn't go to counseling with them <laughs> together. And then finally, during my wife's affair, she went to counseling and somehow the question of, are you having an affair never occurred to be asked by the counselor. My wife by herself was working on the problems in the marriage. So when we saw this counselor, after I discovered my wife's affair, the therapist seemed shocked and almost fell out of her chair. And so on and so on and so on go the stories. Mm-hmm. Now, now, I want to say it again. I told you I'd say it several times during the program, and I am. Good marriage therapists are amazing. They're awesome. Mm-hmm. But before you ever go see one, if you decide you want to see one, first of all, ask yourself the question, is my spouse going to agree to this, or does he or she feel like they're going to get beat up, therefore they're not going to go? Secondly, if they do go, you might want to ask the counselor by phone ahead of time, What's your approach? And if they say, well, we're going to listen to you guys talk about the pain that you have. And you can even ask that question. Are we going to sit there and tell you all the things we feel is wrong with our spouse? And they say, well, yeah, that's how we get to it. I suggest it's your decision. You make your decisions about your life. But I suggest don't do that. And then ask them about what kind of level of success do they have when they work with marriages. Say, as a matter of fact, we've actually suggested this to people. Ask on the phone ahead of time, do you make me the, the uh, your client, my spouse the client, or the marriage the client? If they say the marriage is the client, that's a good sign. But we've had people write back and tell us, they said, you know, we, I asked that on the phone, and they said, we don't know what you're talking about. No. Really? Uh-uh. Absolutely. That is 101, literally 101 of marriage therapy. Yeah. We've had many people tell us, we don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean the marriage, the client? I work with individuals. I work with people. And so then we start hearing all those stories about, you just read some of them. My therapist said, you guys should go ahead and separate. My therapist says this marriage won't make it. My therapist said you should move on. And then the most terrible thing of all, my therapist hasn't met my husband or my (laughs) wife, but says that my husband or wife is a narcissist, Mm -hmm. although they've never met. My therapist says, as you just read, 
my spouse has an anxiety problem. He, he needs to get medicated for that. So you just move on and never met the spouse. Uh, this is not only unethical, it's idiotic. Did I just say that? It I mean, is idiotic. It is idiotic. And so a lady told, told us oh, about a year ago, she said, uh, well, my therapist said my husband is a narcissist. To which I replied, how many sessions did your therapist have? with your spouse. Because if it had just been one session, I would have still challenged it. Your therapist cannot know that after one session. What she said was, my therapist has never met my husband. And I said, then you need to find another therapist. She replied, no, my therapist is awesome. I'm staying with her. She really knows what she's talking about. If she diagnosed your husband as being a narcissist and hasn't met him, or met him maybe just once in one session, they're not awesome. If they're making those kinds of diagnoses, they are not awesome. And yet we hear these kind of things all the time. It's almost as if I found the most amazing therapist because she tells me what yep, I want to hear. That's exactly it. Mm-hmm. Anytime I have gone to counseling, never once have I walked out feeling better about my situation than before I went in. Mm-hmm. Not one time. And I've heard that from so many people of just, we left hopeless. We left feeling like it, we might as well end it because clearly the counselor can't even help us. When Alice and I, my wife and I, we were divorced for three years. We'd been married 15 years, then we divorced, then we remarried. And a year or so into the second marriage, we were still having some problems because even though we had remarried, we'd not solved all our problems. And so we started to go see a marriage counselor. And I remember that basically the counselor looked at me and said, I really just need to visit with your wife for a while. And so she went back to see him alone and she came home from the next session and said, my counselor says that you're going to bankrupt us. I said, what? Well, some of the decisions you're making financially are going to bankrupt us. Now in the three years that Alice and I were divorced, I made some very poor financial decisions and went up in a financial mess. A lot of having to do with the fact that I was drinking and taking drugs and a bunch of other things in those three years. But I'd straightened up and Alice and I were doing well. And yet this therapist, when she told him the story, well, when we were divorced, Joe got in this major financial mess. And then she said, and Joe's now thinking about changing careers. The therapist said, he's going to bankrupt you. Mm. That's, and she came home saying, the therapist says you're going to bankrupt us. I demanded a meeting with the therapist. He would not meet with me refused Mm -hmm. to meet with me. Now I met with the supervisor. She met with me. Alice was with me. And I let the supervisor know what I thought about such an unprofessional code of conduct that he would make those judgments about me when he'd only seen me one time for a brief period of time. And how could he be making judgments about our future based on what I had done back in a very bad time in my life? His supervisor just basically said, oh, that's too bad. And that was it. That was it. Well, Alice never went back again. She said, this guy's going to lead me to divorce you this time. Mm-hmm. I had divorced Alice before. We'd put things back together. And the only way we could keep our relationship alive and make that marriage work was to end mm-hmm. the marriage counseling. Now, Alice and I have been married for 31 years in the second marriage. It would have not lasted two. Now, did I say already? <laughs> We love good marriage therapists and counselors, but when they're saying things and doing things like that, they're doing more harm to your marriage than good. Now, Kimberly, all of this basically sounds like we're just being negative. And where it may sound like we're just trying to get you to come to our workshop. And, and if that's what it sounds like, I'm, well, I'm apologetic if I sound like I'm doing a commercial or we sound like we're doing a commercial. 
But let's talk about some of the advantages then when you do a group as opposed to just the therapist. Yeah. Well, there's a lot. And the group setting, I mean, first of all, you're going into it. It's not quite as scary. I mean, every time that in the past, I've, I believe since I've been married, again, before I started working with Marriage Helper, I believe I saw three different counselors. Never me and my husband together. He, he went to one. I went to one. Both of them were terrible experiences. But every time there was this fear walking in of, I'm going to be like, what questions are they going to ask? What are they going to say about my situation? What if they do tell me that I need to get out or whatever? You know, that's terrifying. Going into a group situation, it's not as terrifying because you know there's going to be other people there in your situation. And there's something comforting about that Mm -hmm. that you can't get anywhere else. Okay. And then there's another thing, which is that in a group situation, nobody's going to try to diagnose you or your spouse. Yeah. Because they're working with a group. Mm -hmm. So it's not going to be like, hmm, you're a narcissist. Or even where it's telling your spouse, he's a narcissist or She's a narcissist. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen in a group. If, if the group's being done well and correctly, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Another thing is in group work, it's quite a bit educational. It's not going to be saying, you tell all your wicked stuff about your spouse and you tell all the terrible things your spouse has done. Oh, you poor baby. Group work, at least the kind of group work that we do. Now, I, knew that, I know that in some group therapy, they actually still do that. We don't do group therapy. What we do is group education, which means that we actually have a rule we establish up front with the entire group, which is nobody gets to bash his or her spouse. You can't tell us anything negative about your spouse. Now, we're going to make it a safe place. You can tell us anything you want to about you, but you don't have to tell us anything about you if you don't want to. If you feel safe and comfortable, then do. If you don't, you don't have to tell us things about you or your situation that you don't want us to know. It's not that kind of approach. And, and if you say anything negative about your spouse, we will gently, but firmly stop you. And so we tell people all the time, tell your spouse, he or she doesn't have to worry about getting beat up in there because we're not going to let it happen. And you don't need to worry about getting beat up in there because it's not going to happen. We make it the safest room on the planet for those three days, at least emotionally speaking, so that you don't have to worry about those kind of things happening. And then the other thing is, when you're doing an educational process like that, rather than just listening to people, because if you're just listening to people, the therapist doesn't have a whole lot of time to try to explain things that people have the lights go on when they hear like, oh, that makes sense. Now, sometimes they do, and they actually probably have more time to do that in one-on-one therapy. So, for example, if you're dealing about some abuse you suffered earlier in life, the therapist asking the right, kind of question, right kinds of questions, doing the right kinds of education with you can be quite advantageous. More difficult to do when it's just two of you. Because even if he or she's doing that, one of you can kind of turn it off like, you don't understand, you don't get it, that's not me. Whereas in a group, when the leader is educating about various things, about relationships, People tend not to put up those walls because it's like, well, I don't think that applies to me. But they don't become defensive and shut it down because they think, you know, he's talking to the other people in the room here. And they tend to hear more. Diane Soley, who founded Smart Marriages, extolled that virtue around the nation. It's like, don't you understand how much more effective you can be in a group when it's a non-judgmental group, Mm -hmm. an educational group, Mm -hmm. than you can do in one-on-one therapy? Now, Diane was not against therapy per se. She'd even worked in the, she even worked for the major organization of marriage families and ther- uh, family 
Marriage and family therapist. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. And, and, and still said, this is a much better approach in my opinion. Now, are there some things you need to deal with a therapist one-on-one about? I think so. If I'm dealing with depression, anxiety, those kinds of things that make sense. But she was saying what we've discovered is working in a group, particularly an educational group, there are all kinds of things that you can solve that you will not be able to do one-on-one because people are too focused on letting you know what's wrong with the other person as opposed to learning about hmm, relationships. This is what works. This is how it works. Now, if you prefer to go see a marriage counselor, it's your choice. Do what you want to do, but make sure that you find one that you interview before you ever go by phone for five or 10 minutes. Oh, and if they refuse that, don't go. In the interview, you ask questions like we've already mentioned. Tell me what kind of approach you use. Are we going to be talking about what's wrong with each other? Uh, what is going to be your client, the marriage, me, or my spouse? And if they don't say the marriage is the client, then that's not the person you want to help you with your marriage. And then if they, and then ask them their success level. But if you ask them that, ask a follow-up question. Like Kimberly and I were talking to a therapist once, and she said, oh, my success level is 90%. Wow, amazing. We asked a few more questions about that and discovered it wasn't anywhere close to 90%. The way she was hedging it was, if both of them do exactly what I tell them to do, we have a 90% success record. <laughs> If both of them do exactly what we teach them to do, we'd have a hundred percent success record, right? Exactly. <laughs> and and so overall, it was not that much. I mean, if right. you uh, yeah. Right. So if they say we have a great success record, find out what they mean by that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Another person says, we've been formally reconciling since April 2017, and we attended the marriage helper workshop last summer. Since 2011, so six years before they started reconciling, they had five different therapists. Wow. And the worst one was a Christian counselor who told us it was healthy to lust after people and to do whatever we wanted that came to our minds. She goes on to say, um, she also sent my husband home, dismissing his mistakes, telling us it was me who had the problems, and it led to our further demise. None of our, one of our therapists didn't even know where to start with us. But she said, our current therapist is truly incredibly supportive of our Christian quest to save our marriage. Awesome. Dr. Beeman Kimberly, I am forever grateful for you and Marriage Helper. You have been the fueling factor in our marriage becoming what we are living today. I awesome. just love you and your team. Awesome. Man, we love to hear things like that. Yeah, I But do you love know, that. when people say things like that, uh, it reminded me that we heard from a person, not, well, about a year ago, I guess now, who said that they had tried to reconcile and went to see a minister. And the minister, minister gave them the... Uh, Myers-Briggs. Oh, yeah. I remember this. And then looked at him and said, according to your scores, you should have never married in the first place. Don't reconcile. Go ahead and end this thing. Just, that was the minister. And she wrote and said, what do you suggest we do? And I said, well, I would suggest you find a minister who's a Christian. Now, that may sound mean, but I was being dead serious. If you, if you think just because a person identifies himself or herself as Christian, that he or she has the same beliefs and values you do, it is not necessarily a valid assumption. Mm-mm. You need to find out if they really have the same beliefs in Vegas. So, Kimberly, if somebody wants to send us these these handheld videos, yeah. where do they send them? Yeah, so what you can do is just take your iPhone, do a quick recording, you know, turn the camera around. You know, you do it for your friends. You can do it for us. So, <laughs> and say, what was your experience with counseling? You don't even have to, you don't have to say anything about your husband or your wife. Just what was your experience with counseling? You don't have to give any details. 
um, as far as names, anything like that. Record that. Send the videos to us through something called wetransfer.com. W-E-T-R-A-N-S-F-E-R.com. WeTransfer.com. Now, is there a fee for that? Jesse, no. Nope. Okay, we're looking at an engineer and, and video uh, guru that's back yes. behind the camera making all this stuff happen. He said, no, there's no fee for that, but it's going to be sent to us, right? Yeah, so. and then you send it to, so once you upload it through there, you're going to send it to Jesse, J-E-S-S-E at marriagehelper.com. That is our video. Okay, so it's not J-E-S-S-I-E. No. It's not the female Jesse, that's it's the, the male Jesse, J-E-S-S-E. <laughs> Yes. As a matter of fact, we might bring him on camera let you see just how masculine he is with his cast because he, <laughs> he broke his arm yesterday. Here you go. Come on. Come over here and let the people see you. This is the guy. And look at the cast from his mountain bike yesterday. That's how macho this guy is. Yeah, not so much. I wrecked. The so scars well. on that arm. Yeah. yeah anyways, that's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. Yeah, send us your videos to wetransfer.com. Uh, I'll edit them together. But um, send them to my email at jessiamarriagehelper.com. So. <laughs> that was my 15 seconds of fame there. <laughs> Thank you, Jesse. <laughs> exactly. We appreciate that. So, yeah, that. send us your videos. We would absolutely love to have those. And, you know... Now, we are going to use them. So, if you are. send them, understand we will use them. So, make sure you don't put anything in there that you don't want people to see out there. Okay? Yeah. That's why you don't give us the counselor's therapist's name, etc. But you can tell your story. Just make it relatively succinct. And even then, we might edit it down even more even shorter than that. Yeah. And when you send us those, we'll send you a little special something from Marriage Helper. Yeah. Because that's a lot of work. So we want you to we want you to have a little special something. Oh, no, I'm intrigued. Good. I don't know what you're going to send them. I think it's a, like a fun mystery. Uh, okay. All right. Send we'll us send your you video. something that's a fun mystery. You'll love it. <laughs> okay. It may or may not definitely have chocolate in it of some sort. But Chocolate? Yeah. Hmm. I'll make sure it doesn't melt. <laughs> No, it'll be good though. Yeah, we would we would love to hear those stories. We'd love to use them because what the last thing we want to do at Marriage Helper is to continue to get these terrible stories of people and the interactions they have with counselors. And a lot of times it's just because people don't know to be aware. And so we want to help people be aware. If you're going to choose a counselor, okay, but you need to know how to find a good one. You need to know what you're getting into before you put all of your hopes and mm -hmm. all of your eggs in one basket. Therefore, if you've had a great experience with a counselor, yeah. make a short video about that. Mm -hmm. What made it great? What should other people be looking for That's a good if point. they're going to find a good counselor to help them? You can make those videos and send them as well. Again, it's to re... What is the name of that place? WeTransfer. WeTransfer.com. WeTransfer.com. And then you'll send it to Jesse, J-E-S-S-E, at Marriage Helper. That's a long word, Marriage Helper. That's Marriage Helper. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Someone asks, is it possible to reconcile without having to go to counseling? Absolutely. Am I missing out on something? She says, am I missing out on something by not going? Not necessarily. Uh, counselors who are actually putting the marriage as a client can be good in helping reconcile. Mm -hmm. You say, is there ever anything that we should talk about that, you know, does Hannah go to the past? Yes and no. If it's going to be about beating each other up and talk about how terrible your husband or wife was, then probably it's going to work to push you further apart than bring you together. Do we still offer the online thing to help people work through the reconciliation process? The reconciliation toolkit. And how can people find out about that? By calling us is the easiest way to, to get that 
information. So you can always call us if you have questions about about coaching, counseling. We haven't even talked about coaching, but counseling about anything that we offer, our workshops, anything of our online courses, you can give us a call. Jesse will put the number up on the screen below. And our client relations reps will talk to you. They'll hear your situation. They'll guide you towards the best possible solution for mm-hmm. you. Right. And that's that's something we want to do for you. Of course, it's it's not a charge at all to call, call and talk to our client relations reps. They're here for you. That is their job. Their purpose mm-hmm. in life with Marriage Helper is to right. talk to and you. And if, once they hear enough of your story to understand Mm -hmm. if they, if they realize that what we do is not the best solution for you, they'll tell you that. Mm -hmm. So it's not just, Oh, I'm going to call you guys are going to sell me something. No, we want you to find the best resource for you. And occasionally they will tell people, well, we'd be glad to help you. But right now what you really need is, and tell them about other resources that Mm -hmm. are out there. So uh, they won't always guide you to a specific resource because we, the liability of telling you to go see this particular person, we tend to avoid that. But we'll tell you, like, this is probably what you need first. So it's not, if you call them, it's not just they're going to try to sell you something. They really want to guide you to the best resources for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if you're saying, wow, y'all have talked a lot about counselors. I just don't even know where to start or what to do. Are there any other options? Kind of like this person was saying. Well, first of all, if if you and your spouse can can get to a part where you're reconciling, where you're having good communication and you just need some tweaks or some, uh, you know, something to just help you along that way. Mm-hmm. Our podcasts, our videos that we have, our articles online can help you to an extent with that. Mm-hmm. But if you are still saying, well, we need even more then we do offer coaching. Mm-hmm. And because of our experience with counselors, my training and counseling, all of those things, our coaches are the opposite of what we have talked about. Yeah, it's not counseling. It it's is not, not therapy. It's marriage coaching. Mm-hmm. And, and succinctly, what's the difference? With coaching, you're going to get a more guided approach. So first of all, our coaches have beliefs and we state them up front. We exist to help save marriages. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to force people to save their marriage if they don't want to, but we are going to bring up, have you thought about this? Do you think uh, maybe the decisions you're making right now are based on the fact you are an affair? You know, whatever else might be going on. It's more of that coaching aspect where they're really walking alongside someone Asking questions, making sure the people are making the right decisions at every step. Um, it's a little more, and it's and our coaches will tell you about their experiences. I mean, it's more of that mm-hmm. relationship than you would necessarily. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that if you're going to do, you need to do by phone, not person to person. You say what? If you understand how we deal with marriages, if I start self-revealing to you and it's just the two of us talking, that can create too much of a connection between us. But a coach who's living across the country they can be more open about their own stories as they help you understand things. But a lot of what they do is ask you questions. When you say, I'm going to think I'm going to do blank, whatever blank is, they're going to ask you questions like, "Mm -hmm. have you thought that through? Have you considered this? Have you thought about that? They actually are there as Kimberly said, walking beside you to help you think things through. And then if you say, I'm going to do something and it's pretty obvious that it's going to be damaging you and everybody else, our coach will say, well, it sounds to me, I mean, obviously you can make your own decisions and do what you think you should do, but it sounds to me like that's a pretty dangerous thing in terms of your relationship or your own health or anything else. So they're not going to tell you what to do unless it's something you really need to do. Like you need to call 911. 
For example, if you call and say, I've got a gun to my head, I'm thinking about shooting myself, our coach is not going to start asking you a lot of questions. He or she's going to say, you need to hang up and call 911 right now and get professional help to you. But other than situations such as that, our coaches aren't going to tell you what to do. They're going to help you think things through, help you make good decisions, and then be there for you when you need to call back and say, let me tell you how that went, and I'm trying to figure out what to do next. That's a different thing than than counseling and therapy. Mm -hmm. So they don't do counseling or therapy. They're coaches, Mm -hmm. not counselors. Right. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Just listening to you. (laughs) I love it when you look at me like, what the heck did you just say? (laughs) (laughs) No. No, not at all. Well, Joe, what are your final thoughts that you want to leave people with? In everything we've talked about, it's a lot to comprehend, especially when you maybe you've been seeing a counselor. In the past, you have seen one. You've had a bad experience, and you've just been cynical maybe about it, um, nervous about going back. Mm-hmm. Or what I hate hearing the most is, well, we tried that. We tried counseling. It didn't work. <sighs> Therefore, there's no hope. Yeah. Please don't think that way. Mm. I cannot begin to tell you the number of people that have come through our workshop that have said that. Our counselor said we should divorce, or my counselor said there's no hope, or whatever else it might be. But we found your workshop and decided just to try one last thing that are now happily married, and their marriages are working really great. The fact that one person, even if he or she is a professional, telling you that it's not going to work, or that you shouldn't try to make this work, etc., please don't listen to that unless indeed your life is in danger. Now, if a person's in danger, even we would say, we think the safest thing for you to is get away from there. Now, not just physical danger, but sometimes intense emotional danger, etc. We won't tell you to divorce, but we will sometimes say, wow, if you're not safe, you probably need to get to a place of safety. And, And here are places you can look to find the people that can guide you to that. Or even sometimes like, wow, if you're really in danger, you might need to call the local law enforcement and ask them where you can go, what you can do to find the places you need. But even those situations, and, and those are bad, and we would never encourage anyone to stay in a situation where you're in danger. Never, not once. But sometimes even those problems can be worked out. People can change People can learn how to do things better, put their marriages back together, and wind up happily married to each other. We've seen it happen. You need to understand we are pro-marriage. Now, we're pro-safety. You do what you need to do to be safe. But we're very much pro-marriage as well. And if indeed you can figure out how to put that back together and make a good marriage, we'll be there to help you. And if you decide to find a counselor or therapist that does that, then ask them those questions up front. Please. And, and if some therapist says something to you, such as, oh, this has become popular in the last few years, well, you guys need a directed separation. What that means is move apart. You each come to see me for the next several months. I'll work with each of you individually, and then I will tell you when to come back together again. Don't let anybody take that position in your life of making those decisions for you. Please, nobody, not us, not anybody. You do what's best for you. Now, if we can help you, you've already seen our telephone number, you call. And you can talk to one of our client reps. He or she will listen. They'll ask you some pointed questions to make sure they understand what's going on. And they'll refer you to the best resource that we know of that can help you with that. But you do what's best for you. But the last message I want to give, Kimberly, is a message of hope. Mm. That rather than listening to the naysayers, even if they're so-called professionals, mm-hmm. 
don't give up hope just because somebody doesn't know how to help you. Absolutely. Don't give up hope just because somebody doesn't know how to help you. There are other people out there like us, and we're not to be all end all. We don't know everything. Okay? We're not claiming that we do, but we do know that we have seen thousands of marriages put back together, that it can be done, and we'll do everything we can to help you do that. Yep, absolutely. We'd love to talk to you. Here's our number one more time. Anything we can do for you, let us know. Remember to send in your videos, your experiences, your stories about your experiences with counselors. Good, bad, ugly, all of it. But we, know that we will use those. Okay. Yes, so we would love to hear it. And you'll get a special gift from us at Marriage Helper by doing that. You can send them to us through wetransfer.com to jesse at marriagehelper.com. We would J E S S E. J E S S E. And we would love to be able to use your stories to help other couples see what to do, what not to do, and ultimately the fact that there is hope by trying something else. Yes. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. Thank you.